Welcome to Moments with Marianne. I am so delighted we're spending this time here today. We have an amazing show lined up. Our first guest is none other than James Nallen. So James is a survivor of a childhood riddled with domestic violence and alcoholisms from the rural foothills of Southern Virginia. And James is now the CEO and founder of an executive consulting firm, Excel Global Partners. He founded the company in 2007 and has since led successful engagements in 15 countries and more than 20 states. James is here today to talk to us about his new book, The Purposeful Millionaire, a guide of 52 rules that teaches people about mastering the millionaire mindset and getting the most out of life, doing more, living more, and achieving more. Throughout his adult life, James has used his daily habits and purposeful mindset to become a millionaire businessman, speaker, and author. At the age of 31, James also survived, against all odds, a drowning accident and considers this event his second awakening. So let's welcome to the show, James. Thank you so much for having me, Marianne. Oh, what a joy it is to have you here with us, James. I mean, your story is so intriguing. I could not wait for our time together today. Well, thank you again so much for having me. It's uh, it's quite a humbling story, and I'm just blessed to be here, Marianne, to be alive, to be working on uh, being a better person every single day, and to helping other people as well. Well, and so I guess we'll start from not kind of the beginning of of a section of your journey, because there's always many beginnings. So I, I understand you had a near-death experience that changed your life, and maybe for our listeners that are new to your story, can you share that with us? I can, Marianne. Um, on August 25th, 2012, I was 31 years old and, and quite a successful uh, young man and had achieved a significant amount of success in business and uh, had thought that I was doing the right things in life. Um, but one day, a buddy of mine and I went out kayaking at my lake house in East Texas. And uh, arrogantly enough of us, we decided to not take life jackets with us. The reason why we didn't take any life jackets with us is because I'm a former triathlete and my friend is a surfer and a lifeguard, former lifeguard. And uh, he also volunteers with the Sea Shepherds, which is a whale uh, rescue organization. And he's uh, uh, been in the waters of Antarctica and all around the world. So we left our life jackets behind thinking that uh, we would be okay if the storm approached us. We get out to the middle of this giant lake in East Texas. And by giant, I mean the lakes are so large in East, East Texas that they actually look like the ocean just thousands upon thousands of acres of water. So we're about a mile from shore and just having a good time catching up and reminiscing. And all of a sudden, these dark, dark clouds started rolling in. And we knew that we were in trouble and that we had to get back to shore as quickly as possible. Lo and behold, Marianne, the storm clouds came in so quickly and started dumping rain and uh, uh, providing strong winds on us as, as quickly as possible that we knew that we were in trouble. Um, my kayak filled with water. Um, my kayak sank. I actually tried to rescue my kayak because I knew that I didn't have the energy in, in me to, to swim to shore. And uh, it just exhausted me. Uh, during that process of trying to uh, rescue uh, my kayak, I inhaled into my lungs dirty lake water. 
uh, and my buddy Tyler, who was with me, uh, his kayak was going down at the same time. Um, Tyler knew that I was in bad shape just by looking at me, and he then made the life or death decision to leave me and to swim to shore to try to get help. Now, when Tyler left me, I thought that I was saying goodbye to him uh, and that he would not survive making it to shore and that I would not survive. But I continued my best to tread water, to keep my head above water for as long as I could. Uh, Fortunately enough, Tyler, with his amazing swimming skills, made it to shore that night. Um, Neighbors had already called 911. Emergency rescuers were dispatched. And uh, the storm was so bad that the family on the shore that uh, Tyler ran up to that night uh, said, you know, uh, thank God you made it. We can't go back out there in that storm for your buddy. We've got to wait for, you know, search and rescue to to find your friend. Mm -hmm. And Tyler said, there's a jet ski over there. We're going to find my friend. If we wait any longer, search and rescue crews will not be finding my friend alive. Um, He went out there on a jet ski with uh, a a gentleman who was a neighbor, as well as the gentleman's son, who was about eight years old. And all they had was a flashlight. They went out into the middle of a very, very large lake and found a needle in a haystack. And literally, Marianne, when they found me, my body was uh, unconscious. Um, I was not in a very good state, and I was already beneath water. Fortunately, they shined a flashlight in the right spot at the right time, and so I wave, push my head to the top of of the wave's crest, uh, and they said, there's something over there, and they pulled my body out of the water. Um, That event, Marianne, has changed my life dramatically, and I consider 825.12 my second birthday. It changed everything about me. It changed who I want to spend time around. It changed my focus on success, how I interpret success, how I want to spend my time in life, and how I want to give myself as a resource to the world. Now, before this accident, Marianne, I had um, thought that I was, was a success story, but my happiness was not truly there. On a scale of 1 to 10, I would say that on a daily basis, my happiness was a 5 to 8. Mm-hmm. After the accident, after I had examined my life closer— and worked on becoming a more purposeful person, I did the work to subconsciously get myself to a better place. And on a scale of 1 to 10, I kid you not, I live in 8 to 11 every single day uh, of my life going forward. And it's not that this accident happened to me. It's something that happened for me. And I believe that the universe put that near-death experience, me drowning in the water, my body being recovered, Uh, by a friend and a neighbor and his young son in the lake that night in order for me to get my act together so that I could live a better life, a more abundant life, a more focused life, and a more happy life. And I'm grateful that that happened. Now, let me me close the story with this, Marianne. Mm -hmm. This is the fifth anniversary of my uh, drowning accident, and I'm spending it with my family uh, in Hawaii on vacation right now. Um, 825.12, uh, 825.17 is approaching us uh, right now. I'm not sure when the podcast will air, but I will say that um, looking back on the past five years, I'm grateful for the accident. I'm celebrating life with my family uh, here in Hawaii, and uh, things are looking bright going forward. 
What a great story. And a lot of times when people have these traumatic stories that happen to them, it, they can either elevate their lives or kind of take them down, you know, because some people could get stuck on, I had, you know, um, problems with, you know, having dirty um, uh, lake water in my lungs for a period of time, having to overcome that. And you took this and really kind of ran with it. You, you know, not only that, but I, I suffered brain damage because I was deprived of oxygen for such a long amount of time. And, and it wasn't that they found me in the water conscious. I mean, mm-hmm. I had drowned. My yeah. buddy who rescued me is an actual, he's, he's a medical doctor. He's, um, he's a neuroradiologist. Uh, and he said, I never imagined that human lungs could hold that much water. And when we found you, you were in bad shape. So not only did I have to recover from brain damage, but there was the lactic acid buildup in my body. Mm-hmm. There was the forgetfulness that was associated with the brain damage. I had to work on rebuilding my vocabulary. Um, you know, I would, I would sit around at home and, and tell the same stupid joke all the time. And, you know, fortunately for me, my family would still laugh at the joke and not tell me that there was something was, uh, was wrong with me. Also, <laughs> <laughs> you gotta love that, right? <laughs> you gotta love that. I mean, ha- having the brain damage, I mean, it, it was, uh, it, it, it's something that, um, you know, uh, it was a real struggle. It was mm-hmm. a real struggle from getting there to where I am today. The other thing that I struggled with Marianne was I, was depressed in that I had experienced nirvana, a complete euphoria when I began to transition from this earthly life to something else. It was as if a warm blanket had wrapped around me. It was a happiness that I just can't describe. Um, I saw the faces of loved ones flash before me. I felt happiness at such a level when I went to a different space that Um, when I came back to this earth for nearly three years after that, uh, I went to my doctor and I asked him, I said, you know, I'm I'm having trouble finding purpose in my life. I'm really struggling with depression. I actually was prescribed antidepressants and I experimented with those for, Mm -hmm. for nearly three years. It wasn't until two years ago that I decided to cold turkey, walk away from the antidepressants to say, this is not how I want to live my life. By taking a pill on a daily basis, that is not going to make me happier. That is not going to help me find more purpose in life. I've got to do the work to master my subconscious in order to get out of life what I want out of it. A chemical is not going to help me in any way whatsoever. So I began to do the work. And that work over the course of time really helped me to create rules, rituals, habits, disciplines that I talk about uh, in my book that really helped me to elevate my life. And on a daily basis, I'm applying those rules to my professional relationships, my personal relationships, the work that I do on myself to make sure that I'm in a good place so that James is living up to his highest purpose and really doing the work so that he's fulfilling the universe's highest calling for him. And with that, I have achieved a happiness that can never be prescribed via a pill um, that you know, I, I just, I'm just in a really, really good place right now. And I can't wait to see where my life is going to take me. I'm 36 today. Can't wait to see where I'm going to be at 46 and 56 and 66 and so on. I can't wait either. <laughs> it's exciting. It's, it's a lot of work, but it's exciting. Yeah. Well, and you know, I, you hear a lot about that when people go through that near death experience where they can feel that warmth and that, you know, immeasurable sense of love. Uh, just unconditional love, and then 
um, whether they choose to or they come back, um, you know, because it's just not their time, that there is that kind of depression from that separation because it's just such a beautiful place to be in. It's kind of like, well, what the heck? You know, I I wonder, you know, why did I have to come back to this earth? You know, there's so Mm -hmm. many challenges that people have to deal with and so many isms and phobias and financial challenges and and all kinds of uh, other issues that we've got to deal with on this earth. And I I really struggle with, you know, why did I have to come back? But I found the reason that I was brought back in my purpose. And my purpose on this earth is to share the message of uh, self-mastery and purposefulness with others so that they can elevate their financial stations as well as their happiness stations in life. And I'm speaking on stages about that. I'm Mm -hmm. talking with wonderful interviewers on podcasts about that and uh, on radio and on TV and doing all those things to share this wonderful, wonderful message. Well, and purpose for a lot of people, a lot of times that can seem like such a distant thing to connect with. You know, it's like, how do you find your purpose? How did you go through that process of uh, really deciding, like, this is what I'm here to do? Mm -hmm. It it wasn't something that really happened overnight. Um, And I'll tell you, uh, I really feel like the majority of people on this earth just exist. Mm -hmm. And they kind of go through the motions of a humdrum life and saying, hey, this is my existence. This is what I've got to accept. I began to refuse my existence and say, there has to be something more. And because of the transition that I actually experienced, I kept asking myself, you know, what more is there to this life? What more is there to this life than other just, than, than, than just eating and, you know, meeting with friends and doing work and doing the same thing day in and day out. And it wasn't until I got into a deeper meditative practice and took out significant amounts of time to work on myself on a daily basis. And I began to receive little messages about uh, uh, what my purpose was on this earth. And then I began to do the work. And I began to do the work by speaking to others about my accident because I felt uh, a little bit of, 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 of shame about the accident and a little bit of shame about the recovery. And I was uh, not as open about what I had gone through. And once I began speaking about my accident, once I began sharing with others what I went through, and once I began writing about the accident, that's when I found my power, Marianne. I realized that there is no power in secrecy whatsoever. Also, there's no power in thinking that we are the only ones on this earth who've actually gone through something uh, such as that. You know, Mm -hmm. people who are survivors of traumatic incidents, whether it's child abuse or domestic violence or near-death accident or some kind of major health issue, when you can begin to talk about what you've gone through and connect with others and let them know that there is this wonderful unity that we have in each other and our stories, that's when you can find your purpose on this earth. And as I began to do that, the light began to shine upon me and I realized, wow, this is why I'm here. I am here to connect with others to help them find their highest selves so that they too do not have to go through a near-death accident to get to that point in life. Yeah, I um, have a friend who is a chiropractor and she went through a traumatic brain injury. It was just a, a freak accident. And it, you know, it really was empowering for her as well to be able to talk about that with other people. And she ended up having not only this huge community, but 
you know, a lot of people look up at her as I'm sure they do with you as well as a role model, because to overcome something as difficult as that and be able to not only continue with the work that you were doing, but, you know, excel in all areas of your life. I think it gives a lot of hope for people that if they are stuck in their humdrum, you know, these are my routines, I do this every Monday, and, you know, you've got, like, the same routine every day, that they can move beyond that to something greater. Absolutely. Uh, I, I tell people all the time, routines build empires. Um, you know, we've got a lot to deal with just to stay alive, you know, mm-hmm. on this earth on a daily basis. But if you get into a really positive routine, rituals, habits, disciplines, doing the same things, making sure that you're putting yourself first and working on self-mastery, the universe will rise up to meet you at whatever level you dream of. As long as you are doing the work and dreaming and working toward your dream, things will come to you that you never imagined as long as you're constantly chipping away at them on a daily basis. When it comes to my my business affairs, uh, I am the, the CEO of a very uh, successful executive consulting firm and, and the owner of some other businesses. Um, it's because I, I, I dream about it. I create the vision boards. I do the work and I chip away at that dream on a daily basis. And it's not an overnight success story that has turned out in financial blessings for me, but it is a uh, 20-year dream that I've constantly been working on a little bit every single day. And when things have gotten tough, I have just kept chipping away and I said, you know what? It's all about execution, doing a little tiny bit every day, even on the days when, I'm, when I feel frustrated or feel like giving up. Not only do I do that professionally, but I do that personally because the plasticity of our brains is quite tremendous. Uh, we've got billions and billions of neurons working up there that are just waiting to, to be nourished and to, provide, to be provided with the positive thoughts and energy. You know, 80% of our um, thoughts uh, for the average person are negative. You know, I'm, I'm not wealthy enough. You know, I'm not skinny enough. I'm not good looking enough. I'm not this. I'm not that. Um, think about the little voices in your head on a daily basis. If you stick to your self-mastery habits and routines and disciplines and you work on pushing those negative thoughts away, you're going to have some beautiful flowers growing in your brain. You're going to have some beautiful trees growing there that are going to shade away all those horrible weeds that are occupying our brains. If 80% of weeds of, of our thoughts are weeds, let's get them down to 60%. Let's get them down to 40. Let's get them down to 20 so that 80% of our thoughts are actually positive thoughts. And that's the beauty of the plasticity of the brain. When we look at the highest achieving people who have these amazing lives, who live abundantly in terms of uh, uh, professional success, in terms of personal success, philanthropic success, all those things, and they're feeling great senses of fulfillment in their lives, it's because they were doing the work to master themselves and to get those weeds out of their brains and to optimize those neurons uh, that are up there just waiting for water and fertilizer and positive energy and sunlight so that those trees and flowers can bloom in such a way to get those weeds out out of place. Well, and I know in your book you discuss the 60-second break that you take when you there's fear and doubt and all these different things coming to the surface. What is that for our listeners? And um, when, when are you applying this? So, so I apply my breaks um, in business meetings. I also apply them in my personal life. 
Mm-hmm. For example, if I'm sitting at a negotiation table and things start to get a little bit awkward or, or get off message and the other person is uh, you know, challenging me with certain issues, in my professional life, I will sit there and uh, I will just breathe. I'll take deep breaths. I'll inhale positive blue energy. I'll exhale negative energy. And I'll keep doing that during the conversation. And before I know it, I'm elevating my conversation and my responsiveness in such a positive way that the person sitting across the table from me begins to elevate his or her conversation in a very positive way. So by taking those breaks and not by forcing a conversation or forcing a negotiation, I'm elevating myself, which also elevates the other person. You can do the same thing when it comes to your marriage or your relationship and just breathing, breathing in those positive, cool thoughts, exhaling all negative thoughts, focusing on the positive in the conversation, elevating yourself so that the other person can be elevated as well in response to you. So anytime anything uh, happens, whether it's me dealing with a, a situation and driving in traffic or you know dealing with something uh, with the customer service uh, representative online for you know my cell phone service or for my internet service or that kind of thing, all those frustrating things can get to us. But if we transition to a much more positive state by breathing, by taking a break, by inhaling cool, positive thoughts, by pushing out the negative red thoughts, we elevate ourselves. And before we know it, the entire situation is elevated. And because of that, our day is better. Uh, our week becomes better. Our month becomes better. I want to I share with you an example um, of just a couple of weeks ago. I was in Las Vegas, and uh, I, had, I, I had attended a conference and had a, a big book signing in Las Vegas and had a wonderful trip in the taxi cab on the way to the airport. Now, uh, this taxi cab driver was, a, was a, a new person to America. He was so excited, and I was so excited for him because he was saying, you know, I'm, I'm working hard. Things are happening for me and my family. And uh, we just had a, a great connection, and I, I left. I was feeling as if I was, I was leaving Las Vegas on a really, really high note. Um, but when we got to the airport, I swiped my credit card on the credit card machine in the taxi cab, and uh, I wanted to give the guy a, a 25% tip because he had made me so happy on that taxi mm-hmm. cab ride to the airport. So I swiped my credit card, and I enter, I enter in the 25% tip, and unfortunately, the uh, machine did not process my tip. Uh, and I thought, oh, my gosh. And so instead of asking me um, – uh, what happened to the to the uh, 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 credit card machine? The taxi cab driver abruptly changed his tone, and uh, he began berating me. And I thought, wow, we had a wonderful conversation, and this conversation has just went you know awry all of a sudden. And I said, sir, no, no, I, I really, I'm I'm a guy who tips. Believe me, I'm a businessman. I love your service. I've really enjoyed riding with you. And he just went on and on and on about people. Uh, taking advantage of him in Las Vegas makes him so angry sometimes because people party and they get in his cab drunk and they don't leave tips. And I said, no, sir, I promise you, I promise you. And then he just wouldn't stop Marianne. So I paused and I said, whatever I say to this gentleman right now, he will not receive it because he's so angry. Mm -hmm. And I will not fight emotions with emotions because when the emotional side of the brain is working, the rational side of the brain is not. Mm -hmm. So what I did was, is I silenced myself and I breathed. And I said, sir, it was a credit card error. I hope that you get your credit card machine fixed because I am a tipper. I reached into my wallet, Marianne, 
and I left a $20 bill on the back seat of the taxi cab. And then I said, have a wonderful day. Bless you. I'm sorry for the credit card error. Not only did I release the situation by doing that, but I hope that the gentleman learned a lesson that, you know, people aren't out to get you all the time, that circumstances can be uh, beyond which we sometimes understand and that people need to have to, to receive the benefit of the doubt. So um, lesson learned for myself and the taxi cab driver is that forgiveness is a very powerful tool. Releasing a situation is a very powerful tool. Breathing through something and changing the mode of communication is also a very powerful tool. Now get this. When I get to the airport, Marianne, my plane was um, – uh, they had to switch out the aircraft mm-hmm. and it was going to take some time. Uh, and, and I walk up to the counter and I had this smile on my face because I released the situation with the taxi cab driver. I walk up to the airline counter and the, um, the attendant at the counter said – you know what? You're such a happy person today. I'm going to get you. I'm going to get you the first ticket. You're going to be the first one on another airline. I'm just going to put you on another airline, and I'm I'm going to put you on a direct flight home to Austin, Texas. I thought, wow, this is so awesome. This is my <laughs> lucky day. Now, had I walked up to that flight um, to the person at the counter with a bad attitude, with a sour disposition because of what had happened in the taxi cab, and had I, had I not released that situation and gone positive, then she would not have put me on another airline on another plane. And and she would have said, hey, you've got to wait four or five hours here at the airport like everybody else. So I managed my energy. I managed the conversation. I elevated the entire situation. And in return, I got blessed and I got home uh, just about 25 or 30 minutes late because uh, this wonderful person at the counter um, blessed me uh, uh, by putting me on another airline. So so long story uh, short, um, um, by managing our energy, wonderful, wonderful things can happen. I, I agree with you completely on that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and it's interesting when people have misperceptions, you know, staying, you know, choosing to stay and, and take the high road on those. And, and I really applaud you what you did as far as, you know, um, taking the high road, not really kind of coming down to somebody else's level wherever they're at um, in regards to a misperception and just, you know, you know, kind of walking through that and not letting it affect your day going forward or affect your mood, which a lot of people do get in a funk with stuff like that. They're like, oh my gosh, this just happened. And they carry it with them. And it's just trash that they're carrying around, you know? And it's, it, it you know, obviously the person has a very um, valid, um, to him, misperception, but it allows them the opportunity to also look beyond that and go, gosh, you know what, maybe I was wrong, or maybe I didn't see things as clearly as I could and turn this great situation into um, something that really, you know, didn't really need to happen. I mean, he probably learned something that day going through that experience. You know, but you touched on something that I also want to kind of bring back to your book, which you discuss money as being spiritual. And I think for a lot of people, they do get stuck in that um, mentality where, you know, like the world's out to get them and the you know, universe is not working or God or whoever their higher power is, is not working towards their benefit. And, you know, what are some of the tips that you give people to kind of change that mentality? Well, first it, 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 it begins with saying that it is okay to uh, be wealthy 
it is okay to achieve financial success. That's number one. Number two is that uh, by understanding how money works as a tool for philanthropy, as a tool for having options in your life, not necessarily as a tool for buying toys and liabilities and junk, Mm -hmm. then you can really begin to work on achieving your mission in this world. I don't believe that in the United States of America, people who are blessed with the opportunities that we have here, that the universe wants them to be poor. I think that when we've got the financial resources to live out our dreams and to bless others, then we can elevate to our highest selves. Without money as the currency to do so, then we cannot achieve that dream. The wonderful psychological and the wonderful emotional benefits that we get from being able to help our families, help our communities, help the causes that we believe in because we have achieved it at a financial level, um, it's just a wonderful, wonderful gift. Um, But it begins with reinterpreting how we see money. A lot of us grew up in what I call poverty consciousness, Mm -hmm. where our parents tell us, well, money doesn't grow on trees, or what do you think I'm made of, money? Or you should just get a good job and just stick with that instead of pursuing your dreams because uh, if you're a business owner, you're an entrepreneur, uh, you're not going to be able to have a sustainable future. You know, we we receive all this mind junk and all these trainings (laughs) and all these negative words from people uh, about how to uh, misinterpret the power of money. It's not until we excavate the real issues of our understanding of money and its power that we can begin to tap into our greatest selves. Once we begin to understand that money is not something that's bad, money is not something that is necessarily used to hurt other people but can be a tool to for, for helping people, um, that's when we can begin to, to achieve on a financial level beyond which we have been taught. Now, for me, um, my parents had very good incomes when I was coming up. But uh, I, I believe to this day that I was raised in poverty consciousness. Mm-hmm. It wasn't until I got to the University of Virginia during my first few years there that I really realized what abundance consciousness was. And that is thinking in terms not of limitations, but in terms of everything that you can possibly be in this world. Yes, when I look at that building, I should be able to say, oh, I can own that building too. Or when I look at a certain uh, financial number where I want to be in my bank account, I can say, yeah, I deserve to be at that number in my bank account, or my P&L should look this way, my balance sheet should look that way. I deserve that too. And if we're willing to do the work to live responsibly, to live below our means, and to put certain rituals and practices into play, as well as mastering our understanding of how money can be used as a tool, then the world can truly be our oyster, Marianne. But it first begins with shifting our mindset from a poverty consciousness to an abundance consciousness. How do we do that? We do that by rejecting the old thoughts that we've been taught about money and planting new seeds of abundance, consciousness, and positivity around money. When we think in terms of lack, we will lack. When we think in terms of abundance and having great blessings for the future, we will have abundance and great blessings for the future. It takes some time to get there. But next time our listeners are thinking a negative thought about money, saying, oh, you know, I don't have enough money to do that. Uh, don't say that you can't afford something. Say, I'm going to find a way to afford something. And the channels of energy will change in your life and money will start coming to you as long as you do the work and as long as you start thinking about money completely differently than perhaps you were trained in a poverty consciousness mindset. 
I think uh, a lot of people can understand and relate with you, whether they grew up in a family that had money or not. Just about everyone I know has has had that poverty consciousness where they're like, well, I'm not good enough. I, you know, there's not enough money. There's just not enough of whatever it is, you know. And so that's why I would highly suggest people pick up your book, The Purposeful Millionaire, and um, start reading it. I've got my copy that I'm not sharing. So, yeah, with anybody, (laughs) 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 they have to get their own. (laughs) So, um, you know, James, where can our listeners find you and be part of your community? The listeners can find me at www.jamesnowlin.com. That's J-A-M-E-S-N-O-W-L-I-N.com. They can sign up for our Millionaire Monday emails, which are free, and you'll receive an email every single Monday where I give you motivation to stay on that pathway of uh, finding greater happiness and financial success in your life. They can also pick up the book at www.jamesonamazon.com. And if they would like to have me as a public speaker at one of their events, they can go to speakerjames.com, find my videos, speaking um, content and uh, topics and all that stuff at speakerjames.com. Yeah, I highly suggest that if you have a group of either salespeople or a corporation where you'd like someone to come in and speak, James is the person for that. He talks on purpose and profitability, um, teamwork, and freedom from fear, among many other topics. You know, James, thank you so much for taking the time to be on the show with us today. Thank you so much, Mary Ann. I've enjoyed it. It has just been a pleasure. We are going to pause here for a quick break, and we will be right back after these messages. Internationally recognized and award-winning author Judy Goodman works and teaches outside the box of limited thinking. Working with people from every walk of life, her goal is to empower you to be the best you can be, no matter what the challenge is. Born with the gift of seeing beyond our normal vision, she has an extraordinary gift of working with every challenge. Teaching beyond conventional wisdom, her work is described as life-changing. Visit JudyGoodman.com. That's JudyGoodman.com. Have you ever had the sense that your thoughts might actually be doing something? Ancient secrets of manifesting have been masterfully revealed in the award-winning book Manifesting 123 by Ken Elliott. For the first time, the author's experiences and stories in this book describe exactly how your thoughts can create anything. You've been doing this all your life, but it's never been fully explained for you until now. Visit Manifesting123.com for more information today. Manifesting123.com Ben Wexler is a gifted leadership development and strategy consultant for professionals who want to transform their organizations and careers. Through a uniquely personalized set of processes, participants discover their unique knowledge, how to leverage that knowledge and experience, and then put it all together with a global strategy. You're more valuable, your organization is more valuable, and the change is viral. Contact Ben at 630-881-1074, 630-881-1074. 
This is Jennifer McGill. My highly anticipated new album, Unbreakable, is now available at jennifermcgill.com. Everything from power ballads to high-energy jam-out-in-your-car songs, I used my highest joys and deepest pains to create empowering songs of love, strength, healing, and restoration so that you can be unbreakable, too. Get your copy of Unbreakable today from jennifermcgill.com. Because who doesn't want to be unbreakable? Welcome back to Moments with Marianne. I am so delighted to be introducing our next guest, Douglas DeLong. Douglas is a medical intuitive, spiritual teacher, counselor, and past life therapist. And he's here today to talk to us about his book, Past Lives for Beginners. So let's welcome to the show, Douglas. Great. Thank you, Marianne. appreciate being on the show. Looking forward to it. Uh, what a joy it is to have you here. Now, your book, Past Lives for Beginners, really is breaking it down for people who have lots of questions in regards to past lives and what that even means. Oh, that's great. Uh, that's my newest book, and it goes into, I've got some case studies with clients I've worked with, and I talk about where they went in the past life and how they even had angels and spirit guides help them. And it was really quite fascinating. I also have techniques, exercises in there, in the book that you can use to help access your own past lives. So, what started you on this path? Because I mean, you're, you're, gosh, you're a medical intuitive, you're a spiritual teacher and counselor, and you do past life therapy. So, what got you started on this path? Well, I was always interested in the psychic phenomena. I used to read and study anything I could on ghosts and UFOs. And way back then, there wasn't as many books out as there is now. There's a, a great deal of information and things that you can find regarding uh, psychic and parapsychology. And uh, I got into it, and I also I studied through the Rosicrucians out of California. I had all my metaphysical studies through there. And as well as what I get when I'm falling asleep, I'll go up and I'll talk to angels and spirit guides up in the heavenly realms, and they give me all sorts of information. That's how I've written some of the information from my books and brought them down and uh, had them put out. Well, and it's it's interesting when someone especially goes along this kind of a journey. I mean, <laughs> a lot of people have questions like past lives, like, gosh, what is that and what is you know, how do you even start? So this is a perfect book for people just kind of gaining an understanding of what it's all about. Oh, absolutely. I uh, have uh, question and answers in there. There's one chapter that asks a lot of questions, and I answer, like, some people want to know if they were famous in a past life or how many past lives did they have and uh, what happens when you die. And I go into great detail about the death process and I talk about it's not much different than actually falling asleep your soul will leave your body and travel but when you die your soul leaves your body and it can't get back into the physical form there's an energy that's kept around the body it's uh, almost like a spirit energy or magnetism and you have your body 
you have soul within and this energy that work together to keep you within your body. Now, when you astral travel, you can slip out of your body. You can soul can travel around the world, go visit friends, families, or you can go up into the heavenly fields and access uh, angels, spirit guides, or even loved ones that have passed over. But then you come back in because that energy, that magnetism, will keep your soul attached to your physical form. But when someone's dying, that energy starts to dissipate and gets weaker and weaker. Eventually, it's almost gone. And then when the soul starts to slip out, it can no longer get back into the body. So that's the only difference between, say, astral travel, sleeping, and the death process. And people shouldn't be afraid of death. They should just recognize it as a natural transition to a higher energy. Well, and so for people who are new to reincarnation, how do you explain it in your book? Well, I tell them that we're uh, eternal souls. We come back over and over into the earth to uh, have our lessons learned. And then we uh, develop our abilities to become more spiritually evolved. And then at one point, when we die, we slip up into the heavenly realms. We're there and we're uh, shown our past life. We go through a lot of details about it. And then we do some healing up there. And when we're ready, we go to a group. I call them the Elohim, a group of uh, beings that will uh, set up a place for you to come down to Earth again. So you'll look at the Earth and decide whether you're going to come back as a male or female, uh, what country you're going to come into, and then go from there. And then you set it up with them. And then you come down, and just before the baby's born, as a soul, you enter in and out of your mother's womb. And then at one point, just as you're being born, this energy pulls you, and you stay, and then you become a human being again, a soul within a little baby's body. And you go through the cycle. So you live, uh, die, and are reborn over and over again. If you recognize that, it just makes it easier. Now, some people have an argument they'll make that, well, they can't believe in reincarnation. But most people believe that they're human. They have a soul within the physical body, and that when they die, their soul leaves the body and they go up to heaven. And if they believe that, which most people do, then why can't they believe that the soul can do it again? Mm-hmm. And be able to make those transitions. Well, and it makes and, and and we'll talk about this a little bit later, but it kind of connects the dots when people have different things that arise during their lifetime that it really is kind of unexplained and so the past lives can really bring a lot of light into maybe things that are going on. Oh, yes, absolutely. I uh, talk about that in my uh, book, especially past lives for beginners. I talk about uh uh some of your fears or phobias that you can have. You may be having fears of heights, and you can have a past life when you go back in time when someone threw you off the side of a cliff, or you have a fear of drowning, and uh, you can figure it out. I've even had people that didn't like uh, wearing cowboy hats or any type of hat, and when the fellow went under, he went back in time to uh, the Old West, and he was wearing a big uh, Hoss Cartwright type hat, and he was trying to hide from the Indians behind a, a rock thing, and he decided to make a run for it, and he got up and jumped on his horse, and he was, as he's uh, riding away, he looked over his shoulder, and he saw an Indian pop up and let go with an arrow and nailed, nailed him into the back. Uh, he fell off. He could smell the dust, the dirt, 
And last thing he said in that lifetime, just before he passed away, was damn hat. And when he came out of it, he told me he doesn't wear hats, but all the men that work with him here wear hats. He just doesn't like them. So it shows you how our idiosyncrasies, our fears and phobias, how we can pick a lot of them up from previous lifetimes and bring them forward. I've even had a lady that didn't like peaches. And when she went back in time, she saw herself in an old kitchen watching her mother's cook baking uh, peach pies or something, and she went, yuck, I don't like peaches. So she brought that forward. It's just interesting. It's kind of funny how that all ends up working out and having those different things. And sometimes it's stuff that can hinder us, like the hat you're seeing with the gentleman. Um, sometimes it could be more intense things like um, that hinder us in this lifetime, right? Oh, yes, absolutely. We can have uh, people that are very uh, scared of certain things. They have tremendous fears over uh, things. And uh, once they recognize it, they can uh, live it through in the past life, let it go, and be able to heal from it. I've had a lot of people have physical pain, that when they go see a doctor or a specialist, they can't find out what's wrong with them. But when they go into the previous lifetime, they'll relive the lifetime where they were injured. And then they bring it up to the surface and they're able to heal their bodies. I've had a couple of ladies that actually had problems uh, giving birth to children. Uh, one lady, uh, just every time she'd get pregnant, she ended up losing the baby. So uh, she went back in time, and she was in ancient Roman times, a little small village or town south of Rome. And there's a big stone walls on both sides of her, and there was an earthquake. And she tried to get out of the uh, stone walls out into the outside, and the stones came down. They crushed her and her baby before the baby was born. So she was able to release that. And I found out later she actually went to full term and had a child and had everything changed for her in her lifetime. That was because of the past life. And I had another lady that uh, ended up lying on the kitchen floor in the previous lifetime and she went she was pregnant and she ended up losing her baby and that's how she died she couldn't reach the old-fashioned telephone to call and then this lifetime she was able to bring that through let it go and be able to have a baby go the full term so you know, even something like pregnancy uh, past lives can influence that I get a lot of people have had problems with their backs uh, They'll uh, pick up in a previous lifetime what happened. One lady actually, uh, she was quite funny. I've got it in my book. It's a really hilarious story. She uh, was one of those type of people you could look at her and she'd go right under her very, very deep. The one that the hypnotists like to get a hold of because uh, she's a really good subject. And she ended up going back in time to, I think it was Ireland. She suddenly developed an Irish accent. And she talked about going in the bar or pub having a beer. And she had more than one or two, and she came out, and the sunlight hit her, and as she looked down the street, she could see uh, a lady bending over, picking up some flowers in the garden, and all of a sudden, wham, she got hit by a beer wagon that rolled over her hips. Wow. And, and that's how she died in that lifetime, but in this lifetime, she had problems with her hips, and um, she was able to let a lot, of, a lot of that pain go just by remembering that previous lifetime. So, and is that kind of the deal is like having the knowledge of what happened during that previous lifetime allows them to then let go of the pain or trauma that they're experiencing in this lifetime? A lot of times, if they can remember it, 
uh, it'll come through. Now, in some cases, the person will actually feel the emotions, the pain, and bring that up to the surface and let it go, too. Uh, some people have a past life recall where it's like a storybook they see from the start to the middle to the end. And uh, it's like they're watching it. Other people, it's literally like they're right in there reliving it and experiencing everything. I've had people just, they go right there and they're there, and it's quite detailed. And some people, when they go through the death scene, it could be quite rough. Other people, they're just, they're just watching it. So uh, they go through it, and they're able to release a lot of uh, emotions and pain. And it's quite fascinating. I've even people can use it for super learning. I've had people um, get past life information and be able to go to uh, school and take German and learn it very rapidly just by remembering a previous lifetime when they're in Nazi Germany. Hmm. Now, when, um, when people come to you and they do a past life regression, for people who are new to what that is, what, how does that process work and, and what does that all mean? Well, I don't use hypnotism. I use a, I guess you might call it a guided meditation technique, but I do what's mm-hmm. called a chakra flow meditation. I've got it in all my books. Ancient Teachings for Beginners, my first book, goes into detail about it. But it's where I get the person to feel the energy flowing up and down through the body, through their chakras. And as they get relaxed, their brainwave patterns alter, and they get very, very, to very uh, deep, altered state, and they're able to start to astral travel or slip out of their body. And as they do that, they start recalling past lives. So I find it quite beneficial. I can probably get about 80 to 85% of people I work with to get some past life recall and be able to deal with it. And it seems to be uh, uh, quite effective for them to help them get to where they need to go. So I do the guided meditation along with the uh, chakra flow meditation. Mm, Okay. Yeah, it is a little bit. It's a little bit different. And what are some of the number one questions people ask you, you know, when they're considering doing this? Well, one of them is they want to know who they were specifically in the past life. And a lot of times, I'll have a person wanting to know about uh, people in their lifetime, maybe like their husband or their wife, how they're related now, how they were related in the previous lifetime. And they want to look at that. And I've had people that had, uh, say, abusive situations in his lifetime. They want to go back and see uh, where it originated from and be able to release it. And when they do that, they can get rid of the lifetime now with the uh, abusive person and move on. So it's quite uh, beneficial. It affects relationships. It affects health. Uh, it affects emotions, fears, phobias, even, as I said, idiosyncrasies, characteristics, and traits can all be affected through past life recall. It seems like when I've heard people talk about, you know, having to have, like, past life regressions or recalls, it's because it, there's something in this lifetime that, you know, it's, some people are curious and some people are dealing with um, something. Maybe they have a fear of water or heights or, you know, how you're talking about the person, again, with the hat. Um, but there's something that they need to work through or overcome in order to really be fulfilled in this lifetime. What are some examples of um, just some really interesting, you know, past life recalls that you've had with people that you work with? Oh, okay. Well, let me see. I had one fellow go back in time, and he was one of the few people I've worked with that had been famous in the previous lifetime. And he went back in time when he was the Tsar of Russia, and he was the one that was uh, 
executed with his family. And mm-hmm. he talked about then about a blood disease that his one son had in that lifetime. And this lifetime, the fellow has AIDS, so just kind of a, a connection with him. And when you look at him, when you're talking to him, he actually looks like uh, Sar Nicholas from Russia from way back, so it's quite interesting seeing that. So that was quite a fascinating one. And the other one uh, I thought was fascinating was the one I told you about the lady who went back in time to Ireland, and she uh, recalled everything in that previous lifetime, and then she got ran over from with a beer truck. It was quite funny, so... Or a beer wagon. Uh, that's yeah, it, most people wouldn't think about getting hit by a beer wagon. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> yeah. she, blue. she said she got hit by a beer wagon. But I've had a lot of people, uh, particularly clients through the years that were uh, suffering serious uh, diseases like life-challenging uh, cancers, and some of them just before they passed over, they came to see me for uh, sessions. And one lady, uh, she went back in time. She'd actually astral travel, go up into the heavenly field. She'd meet angels and guides, and she'd talk to them. They should tell her all sorts of things. It was just amazing that she had that. She could actually get up to heaven, get information before she passed over. So when she was passed over, it was easier for her just to go up there and uh, deal with everything. And it was quite uh, fascinating that that happened. Well, and, and actually you kind of touched on my next topic that I wanted to talk about is like angels and spirit guides. So how do they play a part in like past life recalls or regressions and how does that help us? Well, a lot of clients when I work with them, they'll end up having either a spirit guide or and or an angel come around them. And I had one lady, she had uh, cancer, breast cancer, and I looked at her because I could see the auras, the colors around people. I could mm-hmm. see what the cancer was over, I think it was her left breast. Yeah. And it had kind of a grayish yellow color, and I knew she had the breast cancer there. So when she went under, she ended up getting the energy flowing through, and I watched these beautiful light colors coming through the top of her head, down across her face, and it literally went into where the disease was in the breast. I saw these beautiful light blues and greens and yellows just working. And she could feel a tingling healing energy going on. And then all of a sudden she had Mother Mary, or I should say Mary Magdalene, come there. And Mary Magdalene was talking to her or touching her and doing healing work on her as well. And when she came out of the session, she says, oh, my cancer's all gone. And she got and left, and that was the last I saw of her. So I don't know if she was actually healed or what happened, but it was quite amazing she had uh, someone like uh, Mary Magdalene come and work on her. And I've had people, I've had angels uh, there with them. A lot of times they're there helping them when they get the regression. Now, have you had people who have never really had a connection with maybe their angels and spirit guides have a regression and then have that connection, that really deep connection? Oh, yeah. I had one fellow, he wasn't an atheist, but he was an agnostic. He questioned uh, if there's a God. And he mm-hmm. went back in time, he got all sorts of information. He was talking to an angel, and the angel took him up to heaven and showing him all sorts of wonderful things, and then even took him to a past life where he was in Egypt, and he worked with, uh, uh, I guess, plants and herbs and did uh, work there. And it was quite fascinating for him. When he came out of it, he actually believed in a higher source or a higher power, so he was no longer agnostic. And I've had atheists go in, and they suddenly get all sorts of information. Some loved one that's passed over starts to talk to them, and it's uh, they come out of it, and they have a change of uh, belief when they're finished. 
No, I'm sure. <laughs> I'm sure it's hard to have that kind of an experience and then um, not have, regardless where you are in your journey, and not have a shift in what it is that you are believing, you know? Oh, yeah. I've had uh, people that uh, get past life information, even have a loved one like a mother or a grandmother or someone that's passed over, and they're talking to them up there. They're showing them all sorts of uh, amazing uh, things, and it's just uh, quite profound when you get the information. Now, a lot of people that are dealing with grief over someone that's passed over, I've worked with them, and they end up... Uh, I'll kind of train them to go up into the heavenly realms to a beautiful garden and they'll meet the person that's passed over and talk to them, hug them. And, and then they're able to let that pain go and be able to move on knowing that that loved one, even though they're up there in heaven, they're still watching them and there's still a connection. Mm-hmm. And when the person does that, they can heal uh, quicker and just be able to deal, or deal with things more effectively. And so, and that's some of the ways that our angels and spirit guides help us during the regression. And then, you know, because I, I know during the regression or recall, that's a pretty kind of intense time. There's a lot going on. Do you and do you see a lot of that happening where they make that connection, and afterwards, that spirit guide and angels, you know, kind of walking with them continuously. They're having that either sight or that connection. Yeah, a lot of people will uh, kind of uh, absorb all the information. Sometimes it's almost too much for them. They get home and they start analyzing it. And then they'll start uh, being able to uh, seeing their angels again, their guides, and talking to them, either in an altered state or they fall asleep, and they're going up there and they continue getting information. They get a lot of people, they go up to uh, teaching schools and they'll have these angels or guides teaching them up there showing them all sorts of information and then some people become mediums they start being able to connect with angels and guides or even friends or relatives have died passed over they start coming around them and start being able to communicate with them so i've had that happen with a lot of people too and most people when they have a past life it's uh it's a spiritual event they start to awaken their spiritual abilities but they also can open up their psychic gifts too, start seeing and sensing uh, information. Some people start communicating with loved ones or angels. Some people start seeing auras, and some people start working as medical intuitives. They can see uh, the energy around the person's body and do the work, or they just uh, are able to start writing information down. So everybody opens up differently. Yeah, they have that different giftedness. Now, I know in your book you talk about that connecting to your light spirits. Is that kind of what you mean, you know, in regards to, yeah, just having that giftedness come out? Yeah, what I do with a lot of people, because I can see the lights and colors around them, I watch this shimmering, and all of a sudden they look at their face, I'll see a shimmering light over their face, and the person I'm looking at, suddenly there's an over lay of another face, usually their angel looking back at me. I've had uh, sometimes a client that has brown eyes, has his or her eyes shut, and all of a sudden I see uh, an angel looking back at me with these blue eyes. And the first time it happened, it was really freaky, but it took me a while to get used to it. But that tells me that they're connecting with their angels. And I'll also look at the top of the head, and I'll see a shimmering, and that's their soul starting to slip out. And they'll go up into the heavenly realms, up into heaven, and they start accessing information up there. Hmm. 
Well, and um, and part of I know the work that you do, and we talked about this a little bit before, is you do these meditative techniques that encourage past life recall. So what's, um, what are some of those techniques that you use, and um, why is that a little bit different than like a past life regression? Okay, well, what I do is I do a chant, M-A-Y, May. It's like, it's just like May, and I actually direct it at the person. I get them to focus on their uh, middle of the head inside and let them feel mm-hmm. the vibrations. And I'll do that two or three times, and then I get them to do it as well. And after they've done that, uh, they start getting in a very deep, altered state. They get tingling energy, and some endorphins start to flow through their body. So it's great for uh, stress reduction, great for healing, and getting them into the altered state. So a lot of times, they may just get it for uh, just to heal themselves, not necessarily getting a past life recall. And a lot of people, when they do that, along with doing that chakra flow meditation, they'll start to... Uh, astral travel. So I train people to astral or soul travel to go up to the heavenly realms and uh, see things up there. It's really cool. Some people can go up there and get all sorts of information and come back down and share it with us. I know when I've had an out-of-body experience, it's quite quite an adventure. (laughs) I think a lot of times when people have that or if they're they're doing... um, you know, experiences where they're leaving the body, you you, um, you, know, it, you can get out and get more information than what you would normally get. And also there's just, you know, it feels like there's such a great sense of freedom with that. Oh, yeah. When you can uh, learn to astral travel or soul travel, you can mm-hmm. learn to go up to the heavenly realms, talk to angels, loved ones, spirit guides. You can uh, go visit someone. You can even do healing in your soul. And you slip out of your body. You go to visit someone across the town or across the world and lay your soul hands on them and do healing work. And I've done that with uh, people, too. So I train them to do that, to soul travel, to do soul healing, uh, to go up into heaven and uh, just develop the abilities. But when I do the techniques like that, the chances of getting past life information or being taught or working with angels and spirit guides is much, much stronger than, say, going to a psychiatrist or psychologist that just has you lie down on a, on a sofa and guide you through uh, hypnotism. Uh, usually about one out of every three people can be hypnotized, but under a process that I use, most people can get something and go under. And a lot of people are visual. They can see a lot of stuff. Some aren't. What they will do is they'll feel or sense things. And I've even had people, they go by smells. And a lot of times smell is the strongest psychic sense that we have. I've had people smell uh, fire, uh, smoke, incense or whatever when I'm working with them. Hmm. Well, and um, I know you also do a chakra flow meditation, which I find fascinating, and that's being used in past life recall. How does that work, and how does that play a part? Well, the chakra meditation, I start off doing that May chant at their head, mm-hmm. and I direct the energy from the crown down through all their chakras, get them to put the hand over, say, the heart chakra, take a deep breath in. Think of someone that you love and feel this warm sensation spreading across your chest, and then uh, move the energy down, put your hand on your solar, and then your sacral chakra, and then feel the energy flowing in the base. And I start guiding the uh, 
flow from the base up to the crown and back down again, and getting it to speed up a bit, and eventually even getting it to go right down to the feet. And a lot of people will feel that energy moving up and down through them. Now, I can be doing that with someone in the room with me, or someone phones me from Los Angeles or Toronto, and I can do the same thing with them. They can just feel the energy strongly. And when that happens, uh, they can start the soul travel and slip out of their body and start getting all sorts of amazing things happening. Okay, so this actually is kind of off the book a little bit, but I, I do want to touch with you on this. So you're talking about um, being able to do these um, these you know services, these sessions with people um, at a distance, and then helping them being able to go ahead and and move and do soul travel. Oh yes, yeah. I've done that That's pretty good. <laughs> Germany or someplace, and they can feel the energy very strongly working up and down through their bodies. So it's really a blessing being able to do that. So I get people phone me for sessions, whether they come here or they uh, they uh, set it up. I do it over the phone sometimes on Skype, but a lot of times just over the phone, having them hooked up uh, with a headset on or just listening to the speaker quite well for them. That's pretty impressive because I know, um, like the first time I had an out-of-body experience, you know, I was having a great time and then I was like, oh shoot, who's breathing the body and snap went right back in. (laughs) So it's nice if someone's having difficulty doing soul travel or let's say they want to have a past life regression, you don't have to be exactly in their neck of the woods, you can do it, you know, virtually. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, So people can contact me uh, here at the number, phone number, set it up. Now, I also have the May Chant, which has a chakra flow meditation in it. It's it's about 10 minutes long. It's actually on YouTube. So if you go Mm -hmm. to May Chant on YouTube, you can watch me uh, doing this May Chant. And I've had a lot of views. A lot of people go on just uh, watch the uh, video. And a lot of people use it for their own benefits. That's fabulous. Now, um, so we've got the meditations, and people kind of understand how that is, and they can contact you in order to set up time to um, do a um, meditation and get connected with doing a past life recall. What are some other techniques that people can employ to get that past recall, past life recall? Okay, well, I, they can do that May chant I talked about. There's mm-hmm in their head and do the May chant. And mm-hmm. sometimes if you take deep breaths in, hold it and let it out and just release it and then stare off in the space, that helps. I have another technique. Uh, I get people to imagine themselves uh, walking along an ancient road in Rome or else they're on the uh, Nile, cruising mm-hmm. down the Nile and looking at the palm trees on the side and just letting themselves drift. Sometimes when you do that, you just daydream, and as you daydream, daydream will switch over to an actual past life recall coming through. So you can see yourself riding a horse on a field somewhere, and all of a sudden you're on a horse and you're in the town and seeing events unfold. So you can start off with the daydreaming, letting your mind wander, uh, looking at something you may have imagined from a past life, and then bang, it actually starts to unfold. So by doing a lot of daydreaming, helps uh, by doing deep breathing, holding it and letting out slowly will alter your brainwave patterns. Doing the May chant will trigger endorphins to be released and put you into an altered state. 
And sometimes another one is just staring at your face in the mirror. Uh, the lights are all off and you've got two candles off to the side. It's a candle and mirror technique. Uh, I've got it in my first book, Ancient Teachings for Beginners, as well as Past Lives for Beginners. But as you stare at your face, you start seeing uh, uh, your face start to shift and change. And suddenly you're getting the overlay of someone who you were in a previous lifetime shows up. And it's really cool. You're looking all of a sudden you see yourself as a Native American, or you look and you see yourself with a big beard, and uh, you look completely different. So that can happen, and that's you starting to access some of your past lives by just staring at your face. So that's hmm. a technique you can do as well. Well, and um, I know you also have a, a option where they can um, do that with water or light. Oh, yeah. There's a water technique. It's not called a glass of water technique. You can take a glass of water, you put your hands around it, and you do what's called magnetizing it. You use your hands, you let them warm up, and you get the power going into the palm, thumbs, and fingers of the hands, and they start to pulse. And as you're holding the water between your hands, you start feeling a pulsing, throbbing sensations. And at one point, it feels almost like your hands are pulsing so strongly that they want to push away from each other from the glass and that's you magnetizing the water and after you've done that for five to ten minutes you drink the water down quickly and what it does is it changes the vibrations within now your uh, soul is more positive and your body is more negative and negative and positive uh, they kind of keep each other together but if you can make your body a little more positive it will start to push away from your soul. So positive and positive repel each other. And that's how it works, uh, like the law of magnetism or law of electricity by doing that. So by doing the water technique, charging the water, it's great for a tonic for your body. It's great for healing. It changes all the vibrations within. And the other thing, by taking a deep breath in and holding it, it will affect the blood cells and recharge them and make them more positive too. And just by doing light, focusing on light, uh, that uh, helps. So using all of that can get you into the states that you need. And it's fairly easy to get a past life recall once you do it. And a lot of people will get the one that's for their greatest soul growth. The most important one will come through for them first. And it seems to go from that point. Now, I I know that you, in your book, talk about children and past life recall. So do you see many children as far as clients and parents bring them in? Maybe they have a unrealistic fear of water or, you know, some like elevators, something that's not usual? Oh, yeah. I had uh, one couple. Uh, they brought their son. He was about 10 at the time. He uh, kept talking about uh, mechanics and cars and stuff, and he wanted to become an engineer. And they brought me brought him to see me, and they waited in the living room while I worked with him. And he is one of those people, especially children, are really easy, uh, really easy subjects. They go under quite well, most of them. But he mm -hmm. ended up going back in time to the city of Calgary in Canada, and he saw himself as a mechanic in a, a garage, and he was talking about listening to the type of music back in the 60s and naming the music and all that. And this is a young kid that's 10 that wouldn't know anything about and he talks about the type of car he had, and he wants to take the car out onto the highway and give it a run. He's talked about the car. It's a 65 Mustang or something, and he's just 
out all his information about something he shouldn't know. And all of a sudden, he has a scene where he's driving the car, he drives it too fast, and he slides off the side of the highway and crashes, and that's how he dies. And he remembers that. And so when he comes out of it, uh, he's recognizing that lifetime. And then his parents are just kind of accepting it, and he, I guess he wanted to become a, an engineer of some sort, so I think he's followed that. So it's quite uh, fascinating with that, when that happens. I had one other time, a young fellow, not a kid, but a young fellow, he went back in time, saw himself living someplace with his son, his wife had left him. He moved to Western Canada, and he talked about the job he had, where he worked. He even named, gave the address of the home where he lived, and he talked about the hockey games and everything. And then all of a sudden, he ends up having a heart attack, so he's in the hospital dying, and he's got his young son, Bobby, standing beside him as he dies. And so... When he came out of it, I guess it scared him. If he was able to, he would probably be able to go find his death records in that city and be mm -hmm. able to meet his son now that had been his, or his son from that lifetime now and just be able to experience it. But that's quite freaky when you think about it. <laughs> I, I think, yeah, even though we look at it and we're like, okay, yeah, we, we know um, that all this is, you know, possible, and there's lots of research done on past lives and um, and reincarnation, and people coming back and and having those kind of experiences. But it might not be something that the family would be ready for, as far as that kind of a connection. Maybe just knowing that information, like how you were saying before, is enough to um, kind of put the soul at ease. Oh, yeah, yeah, and every, per every person is different, and uh, when you can analyze it, you can look at your past lives and affect your present lifetime and change your future, making it much better. So when you can do that, you can just do a lot of healing and move on, and it gives you an understanding of who you are, knowing that your internal soul it comes back over and over to learn and develop, and it's really amazing when that happens. Now, I know you also talk about astral travel and Akashic Records, um, and I, we've been kind of talking about this a little bit before. Now, astral travel, that's what you mean by soul travel, right? Yes, absolutely, yep. Okay. And then, so a lot of people kind of, I think, get a little confused when we talk about the Akashic Records, like, what is this, and is this this big place in the sky, and if so, can I even get to it, <laughs> I've worked with a lot of people. I train hundreds of people to astral travel and go up to the Akashic Records. And when they go up there, they'll see themselves stepping into it looks like an ancient library, and there's light shining in through these uh, painted windows, like in the church. And they see uh, scrolls and books on shelves and tables. And a lot of times people will turn around and pick up a book or they'll look at a book that's in front of them, and that's their soul records. They start accessing soul information and as they go through they start seeing previous lifetimes and flipping pages and all of a sudden somebody's getting a it's like a video unfolding for them as they turn the page and they stop it there and one particular page and bang the information comes through and i've had a lot of people do that i've trained people to astral travel or soul travel through the years and i find sometimes it's even more effective for that individual to get past life recall by doing it that way, but actually going up to the Akashic Records, accessing their own soul records and getting the information. And they can sometimes get 
information about two or three lifetimes very quickly by doing that. So that can be even more effective than just doing a past life recall. And what would be some of the reasons we would want that information? Is it because we're having a problem here or we just um, is, is it just to see what's coming up next? I mean, what would be some of the reasons? Probably the main reason would be to uh, heal some pain, some emotions, or being able to teach yourselves and learn from it. And sometimes it's just uh, getting the information and opening up our gifts abilities, making us better at what we do in this lifetime, having more of our gifts developed. So it's a combination of many things, but it's mm-hmm. mostly being able to uh, access the past lives and bring the stuff forward and use it in a positive manner. Okay. Well, and I think that makes perfect sense. I mean, um, being able to access your own for information kind of gives you a certain level of freedom to be able to, and I would think, confidence in moving forward in your journey here. Oh, yeah. It makes you much more confident. I've had people that uh, at writer's block, and they turn around and they get the information from a previous lifetime. They found out that... Uh, in the French Revolution, all their books were grabbed and they were burnt in a big pile, and they could have even been executed, and uh, they had this fear of writing. And all of a sudden, they recognize it, and they let it go and go, oh, okay, and they start writing and let things flow. And I've had a lot of people that remember being burnt as witches in previous lifetimes, and they see themselves either being burnt or hung and going through that terrible trauma. And now when they come out of it, they go, oh, that's not going to happen to me ever again. I can just focus on my spirituality. I can become a healer, work with herbs or whatever, and I no longer have to worry about that. I'm free and I'm safe. And they move on and they just get over that. Mm. Well, and so with all of your experience that you've had through all of this and people going to the Kashuk Records, what's kind of um, – one of the most interesting cases that you've had, maybe they've gone and gotten some information that's helped them here in this lifetime. Oh, okay. Well, I've had uh, a few people have actually had information about being around at the time of Jesus and talking about what he looked like and that he didn't die, but his twin brother died on the cross in his place, and there's a difference in the color of their eyes and these little things, and they brought it forward, and they go, oh, and they recognize that a lot of things that he did, uh, they're here now on the earth uh, reliving their lifetime, being able to continue doing that type of work. So I've had two or three people do that. They go back and they can tell what Jesus looks like and the cross and all sorts of information, and all of a sudden they recognize that, well, they're here now to continue doing that work, and there's a lot of them like that. So that's uh, some of the more interesting ones I've had happen. That sounds pretty interesting. And you touched on this at the beginning of our our interview here, you know, our discussion. You talked about death and dying and past life regression. So how does this all play together? Well, I don't think people should be scared of death. Uh, having Being scared of the pain and suffering before is understandable. But recognizing that death is just like falling asleep. Your soul slips out and you eventually slip back up into the heavenly realms. In the heaven, you meet angels and guides. You meet all your loved ones and friends up there, and you're there uh, accessing your life, analyzing it, and just healing. 
and getting above that. And when you recognize that now, you go, okay, I shouldn't have any fear of death. I shouldn't be spending all this money for this extravagant funeral, I should just enjoy mm-hmm. life and recognize that it's just a power of passing over to a better place. And when you can do that, you can change how you think and put yourself more on the spiritual path and recognize that being here on the physical earth is more to it than just the physical part. You're a soul within a body and not a body with a soul. So if you recognize that you're just a soul living here, experiencing things, you can get more on the spiritual path and become more open and helping others. Well, I know you've helped like thousands of people kind of understand themselves and walk through this life a, a little bit better. What are some of the emotions and the pains that you see people release having a past life recall or regression? Well, I had one was very, very profound. The man went back in time, and he actually was at the time of Jesus, and he saw the crucifixion and he just sobbed like a baby and he felt like it was his fault. He was one of the ones that uh, had caused the problem and he was able to let that pain go and get rid of the guilt and move on, be happier and healthier and he got rid of all the depression that he had. So that's one uh, example. That's a major one, yeah. Yeah, it's a major one. I've had people where they were just, uh, they had uh, done things to their wife or partner in the past life and it was really terrible that they did and they were able to now let it go knowing that they wouldn't repeat that and know, knowing that they can heal themselves. There's a lot of people keep a lot of guilt and pain and once they recognize that they can let it go they can heal in this lifetime and they can get on with their lives. So a lot of people have a lot of guilt, a lot of pain, a lot of sadness and I've had people that have had a lot of uh, physical pain in their body that of uh, previous lifetimes when they saw themselves being tossed off the side of a cliff. And then when they let that go, the pain lets go in their body and they feel better, they feel much, much lighter. So we hold a lot of the emotions and a lot of the pain. And when you recognize that and you can focus on it, you can let it go. I think that would cause pain in anyone's body, to be honest. I mean, that sounds like a pretty traumatic um, passing, but... uh, I think, you know, from what I've um, read and talking with you and, and other people on this topic, when we do have a past life that has um, been traumatic, we do kind of come into the next life. It's not always, but it's possible to come into the next life with certain pains or ailments and different things like that. And so just understanding more of that really helps to release that energy and maybe shift it to some new energy. Oh, yeah, you become much brighter, you become much lighter, your auric field gets brighter, your chakras are cleaner, you feel less pain, and you much brighter, and you just have more of a spiritual side to you and feeling greater. I like how you talk about the chakra piece with this as well. Most people don't touch on that when they talk about um, past lives and um, recall, maybe, because you know, they're kind of focused in on the actual regression or recall as opposed to what else is going on with the body. Well, I find people, they focus on the chakras. They can actually feel that energy flowing up and down through the body, through the chakras, and it'll go into the glands, organs, and tissues of your body into the cells. It just uh, makes you better. It starts the healing process. It isn't just the past life recall. You're actually getting mm-hmm. healing done on you as you 
use or work with the chakras. And a lot of times when they focus on their heart chakra, they can open up the heart, let the pain go, and release a lot of the emotions. And once the heart and even the crown opens up, it'll start affecting all the other chakras, and they start to heal and they become more balanced. And when that happens, it can affect you on a physical level in a positive way, too. Wow. That's just, it's amazing that having this kind of information and doing these kind of techniques, of course, we would like people to go out and purchase your books. You have multiple books as well on these topics. But having someone you can work with also just helps being able to shift that energy and, and let some of that old stuff go. Oh, yeah. My first book, as I said, Ancient Teachings for Beginners. The second one's Ancient Healing Techniques. And the newest one, Kind of flies for beginners and it's doing quite well it's out in several languages but i like it because it's got all these case studies a lot of people that were in the case studies have passed over they were dying from cancer or whatever but they had some amazing uh, experiences in going up into the akashic records going into heaven working with angels and spirit guides and it was just uh, wonderful it was a blessing for me to see that and experience that when i was working with all these people and also uh, all the techniques in there that you can use to help access your own past lives. And so I think I answered a lot of questions, too, people have about uh, past lives. And, oh, and yeah, without a doubt. Yeah. Well, you know, Doug, thank you so much for taking the time to be on the show with us today. We're, I know you talked about it earlier, but for those that um, are looking to go ahead and, and jot this information down, where can our listeners connect with you and be part of your community? Oh, okay. Well, my phone number is 306-668-2099. Now, I'm also, we have our uh, website. It's uh, uh, com. So you go to douglasdelong.com. You can click on and go into our website. It's got information about the books and what we do and all sorts of uh, information that helps. And I also, I do a lot of stuff on Twitter. It's at Doug D. Long, and I put little inspirational quotes on there and with people, too. So that's three ways you can do it, with, uh, the phone number, the website, and the uh, Twitter account. Okay. Well, you know, I'm definitely going to be following you and seeing what comes next. I mean, you, gosh, this is such an interesting topic, and you've helped so many people be able to make transitions and transformation in their life. So, you know, Doug, thank you so much for taking the time to be on the show with us today. Great. Thank you for having me on. I enjoyed it. I'd like to thank everyone for taking the time to tune in. You've been listening to Moments with Marianne. And remember, make every moment count. single moment, your life can change. Moments with Marianne is a transformative hour that covers an endless array of topics with the best of the best. Her guests are leaders in their fields, ranging from inspirational authors, top industry leaders, and business and spiritual entrepreneurs. Each guest is gifted and a true visionary, a recognized leader in her own work, and while teaching others to develop, refocus, and grow, Marianne will bring the best guests and sometimes a special surprise. Don't miss this. 
You never know just which moment will change your life forever. Moments with Mary Ann airs every Thursday, Friday, and Sunday at 8 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Mountain Time. Make sure to tune in and visit momentswithmarianne.com for more information.